Well, good evening. Hope that you've had a peaceful and quiet day before you start watching these 5 o'clock news, 6 o'clock news, or this news that we've been watching all day today, January 6, 2021, a day that will be remembered in history for some time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness. And we pray for our country tonight, asking that, O oh God, that you would calm the hearts of people and that you would, O oh God, somehow allow us to see ourselves anew and afresh. Yes, Lord, we do need revival. We do need a change in our country. But would you help me to just speak plainly and clearly and hopefully, oh God, to cause us to look at ourselves and for me to look at myself as a citizen of the United States, but also, Lord, as a Christian who believe that, oh God, you still want to use this country to do yet great things. We have many of our own problems, but yet, Lord, you're the one who has called this country into being, we believe. And would you, O oh God, somehow quicken our hearts anew to what you have envisioned for us. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is... Pastor Gus Brown from Aquin Alliance Fellowship Church. And I want to just speak to you. Is not what I was going to share. I had planned to speak to you from Luke chapter 17 about the uh, ten leopards. And uh, we most likely will do that tomorrow night or Friday night. or And uh, try to still get ready for Sunday morning. But... I think for many of us, what we've been seeing on the news tonight has been disturbing to us. It is something that have unrattled us. I've never seen it in my lifetime. Oh, I've seen demonstration. I've seen marches. I've seen the civil rights marches, uh, but never anything on our capital to a point where it would assault our government and in a sense try to even overthrow our government or put it into a coup or to take away the rights of those who have already voted by stopping the electoral college from voting and then for Congress to act. These are some strange days. These are some different days. And as I was watching this, I had to compare. I compared that when African Americans demonstrate and they destroy or they do, there are heads that are busted open, people are shot, 
paddy wagons are there taking people to jail, people getting dragged on the ground. Many different things are taking place. Here I see people chasing a police officer there at the Capitol up the steps and he's giving ground, backing up, never once drew his gun or anything. He would run up the steps and this gentleman following would run up the steps and he never held his ground. But he had been right in pulling his gun and maybe even shooting the man who was chasing after him. There was a black officer and a white man was chasing. Would that have been wrong? And in my mind, I asked the question, if that would have been a majority African-American crowd and if they would have broke the windows at the Capitol building and jumping through the window, would they have gotten shot? Would they have gotten pushed back out of the window? Those in the hallways and destroying? Was there a different mannerism the way the police treated this crowd compared to if the crowd would have been African-American. And that goes through my mind just as an African-American. But it also goes through my mind as an American citizen. The shame of it. To see Americans act this way. Used to be a little idiom that said, don't throw stones if you live in a glass house. Well, tonight, America lost a great deal of credibility. I've been fortunate to, fortunate to travel to countries outside of the United States uh, to see how they function to a certain degree and, and to see the rights that people in many other places do not have the freedom to speak and to demonstrate. I remember being in one country and the young, and then the young man and the group that I was talking with said, we can't do that. We can't do that here. We would all either be killed or all be sent to prison. And I kind of uh, learned that in many places around the world, people can't speak out like American citizens do. Uh, people are fearful of uh, retaliating against their government. And here in America, we don't have that fear. We just say what we want to say, and, and, and we do what we basically want to do. But tonight, it was wrong. Everything that I watched on news tonight... I would have to say was wrong. I'm glad that no more than one person was really hurt or shot. But yet, we have to begin to think this whole thing about our democracy and our country and the way it's going. We got to start thinking differently. Congress has to think differently. Congress has to see that they have somewhat mirrored the behavior 
of what has taken place tonight when Democrats and Republicans cannot sit down and compromise. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to argue for your position and for those powerful points that you think you have. But somewhere for the need of America, we need to see our leadership functioning in a way that is best for America. The Republicans don't have the best ideals and the Democrats don't have the best ideals. But if we can put those ideals together and hammer out a great ideal for the American people, then Congress has done its job. But we've lost sight of that. It's a win-win. I have to win it all. Either Democrats got to win or the Republicans got to win. And the American people lose. Somewhere we have to get back to a place where we can sit down, even in Christianity, talk about our differences, and yet love each other and care for each other, watch out for each other, respect each other. And to acknowledge each one of us has spoken from our heart for what we think is best for the country. It cannot be ruled by mobs. cannot be ruled by Black Life Matters. It cannot be ruled by what we've seen tonight. It has to be ruled by people who desire equality for all of our people. Not just white and not just black. Ohio just passed this stand your ground law. That's a law that I disagree with, but it's the law. But for a lot of young African Americans, they have to understand their lives are more in danger in Ohio now than it's ever been before. And you have to watch what you say and how you act and who you're with. We're living in some peculiar times. But there's enough blame to go around. For everybody in leadership has a responsibility, whether you're in the corporate world or whether you're in the political world, or whether you are in the world of ministry or pastoring. And I want to just encourage our pastors, because this election I heard quite a few pastors basically speak on behalf of one individual. And a lot of our mega mega churches were speaking on behalf of our president and and making him more than what he really is. As a pastor, I only have one job, one position, and that is to glorify Jesus Christ and to speak of him. And to speak out his word 
And that includes injustice, because injustice is sin. And whether sin proceeds from the White House or from Congress or wherever it may proceed from, I have the responsibility to point out to the people what is right according to what God's word is saying over that issue. And somehow we're missing that. As Christians, we are the light of the world. We're the salt of this world. And and we're the ones that have to preserve it. And we're the ones that have to light the way in darkness. But we're missing that. Because we get so involved in the issue or a person. And if I take that issue and put it up against this, I believe this will guide me through the issue. I believe God's word will give me the answer to the issue. And God's word will show me how to respond to that issue and also to that person. I've heard a lot of people say over the four years, he's not my president. Well, I don't know who their president was because in America, we only have one president at a time. And if you are an American citizen for these past four years, the sitting president was our president. Can't put anybody else there. You may not like him. You may not want him to be there. But he's the president. And we have a responsibility under the word of God is to respect the office. May not like the man. But we are going to respect the office and respect the authority that that person has. If we lose that respect for the highest office in this land, then we're going to lose respect down to the lowest office of either fatherhood or dads in our homes. Because a father has authority. A husband has authority. And once we start disrespecting authority, where does it stop? Where does it stop? And we have to regain a respect for authority. That when authority says stop, we stop. When authority says move, we move. That somehow we're willing to listen to authority and follow the instructions of those who have been given authority over us. If not, we're going to live in a chaotic world. In a world that does not respect authority. And we're seeing that in our homes with our children. Our children do not have the respect and the parents do not have authority that they once had. And they do not know how to use that authority properly. And we're seeing that throughout society that oftentimes people in authority do not know how to use their authority for the good 
of their employees, for the good of their students in a school, for the good of their household, we are somehow missing this area of respect for authority, whether it be a police officer or someone else who wears a uniform or has a position of authority. I am disturbed because I believe part of this problem that we witness tonight lies at the feet of what we call evangelicalism. And I know I'm going to take a little heat for this. But evangelicalism or our mega churches or we who call ourselves Christians, we are not here to point to a man in any office. We are here to declare God's truth. And if that person does a great job, then we want to praise him. And if the person doesn't do a great job as we may see it, I don't want to so much condemn him as they may speak against his policies or the things that he may stand for. But they have to be biblically wrong, not just my preferences. They have to be biblically wrong, and I have to be able to go to Scripture and show that it's wrong. That I'm not attacking a person, but I'm attacking values, principles, and issues. Somebody can hold the wrong values. Somebody can have the wrong principles. And those things need to somehow be talked about and shared. And I think we're missing that. That God's word will cover those things for us. If we stay in God's word. And we bring that issue. To focus on this. And see what God has to say about it. As pastors. Let's preach the word. Let's uplift our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not a man in office. And we don't want to try to put our energy or strength towards trying to get someone re-elected. The people will make up their minds. We don't have to tell them who to vote for. We don't have to uh, tell them what's right or wrong. Uh, we got to trust God to teach his people. Because I think there was a lot of misleading in this last election by a lot of our mega churches and and different things that were being said. And it may be on both sides, but one side always hits the news and is more of them that's on uh, the TV and some of our Christian stations. We, again, have a responsibility to be loyal and faithful 
to one person, Jesus Christ. If we win people to Christ, we'll change America. You can change all the laws in our country. And everybody can still go to hell. We're not here so much worried about America as we are about the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And to extend that kingdom to every living soul here in America and in the world. To invite them in through Jesus Christ. But what I've seen tonight, it caused me to grieve for this country. And I'm glad that one of my members called, one of the elders called, and we were able to talk about it because it allowed me to let off my little bit of steam. But we prayed. We prayed for our country. And I think what Christians need to do more so than anything else right now is to pray because America is in desperate need of a revival. America is in a desperate need of a new consciousness towards God and especially Christians. And I just want to take a few moments to remind us as Christians of something that the Word tells us to do and to challenge us to do it. In 1 Corinthians 14, he tells us to do everything. King James says, decently and in order. And we are to do everything in order. Now I know some of you as pastors are going to say, well, he's referring to tongues. Uh, he's talking about how we should operate in the church. But I want to take that verse 40 and I want to use some longitude with it. And verse 40 simply reads, but everything. Now, now I think we need to really look at everything. Because that is what it's saying. Everything. He says, we need to give an account of everything. And he didn't just say some things. He didn't just say this thing or that thing. And the scripture could have read, but should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And the thing that should have been done in a fitting and orderly way, speaking in tongues in the church and so forth. And using your gifts. 
But when you put the word everything in it, that changes it. Everything. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Decently and orderly. And I have to ask the question, was what was done tonight in Washington, D.C., was that done in a fitting and orderly way? Was tearing up, destroying, putting people in danger, causing other people to be fearful, not allowing people to do their job, disruptiveness, was that fitting and orderly? See, we got to ask ourselves some very serious questions. What kind of country and what kind of people are we going to be? We can be very barbaric, or we can be very discreet. We can be very honorable people, or we can live in a way of dishonesty, ethics is out the window, principles and values are gone, and we can destroy ourselves, and we can fight against each other while the rest of the world looks on. And I understand America is not perfect. America has its problems, and we're still dealing with the race issue in America. But it's not as bad as it was. In my dad's last days, <clears throat> sometime at night, he was 97 years old. lived with me for 10 years. And I have to just say, my wife took care of him just like he was her father. But at night sometime he would wake up, especially in the last year, year and a half. And he would come out of his bedroom and sit on the couch in the living room looking out the window. And my wife would wake me up and say, Dad's up. And I have to go up in the living room. And I would ask, Dad, what, what's wrong? You're not sleeping tonight? The problem? And he says, they're up to no good. They're going to hang somebody. They're going to kill somebody tonight. And his mind was flashing back to things that he had seen in his youth that I've never seen. But I began to hear a different life and a different world that he lived in. And was thankful that I was not in that 
world and that our world have changed. Well, I don't worry about somebody coming to my house, dragging me out, going to hang me or going to shoot me or disfigure me. Or, But he saw those things. And they were coming back to his mind in his later years. And for America, we're going to have to remember from what we've come from and what we went through. If not, history is going to repeat itself in a different way. And we can have another revolution in this country. We can have another civil war in this country. It's going to take the people of today to make up their mind, and especially Christians and those who know the word of God. That is not going to happen. And it's not going to happen only because of the grace of God. And that people have a godly reverence and a godly fear. Not only for God, but for one another. A high respect. So he says, whatever you do, do it decently or fittingly and orderly. We need to do that. And we need to practice that and not just say it. Then over in First Peter, in chapter 2, he's going to tell us to do something else. In that verse 13, he says, Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority. Submit yourself to every authority. Submit yourself. To every instituted authority among men, whether to kings, the president, the congress, the police officer, the judge, the mayor, those who are serving us, who have authority as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong. There's a purpose for them. There's a purpose for authority to punish those who do wrong. But he tells us to submit to it. Submit is a voluntary thing that has to be done by all of us if we're going to live in a civilized society. It cannot be exercised by just a few of us, but all of us. If there's going to be cooperation and a safety in our society for all people. That we submit to those who are in authority. Knowing that that authority comes from the Lord. Not from man, 
but from the Lord. And therefore he tells us, submit yourself for the Lord's sake. That in submitting, we honor the Lord. We voluntarily submit to this authority. It's not an issue if that authority is wrong or right at that point. There is a way of retaliating and going back through court, challenging that authority. But we have to use the right steps. We have to be willing to challenge that which is wrong. And sometimes it takes a little while to be able to win cases when authority is declared to be right, but yet it's wrong. But eventually it will be overturned. That old saying is true. Truth and righteousness always finds its way to the surface. No matter how you try to bury it, Truth and righteousness will always find a way to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. And sometimes it takes time. But in that time, we're experiencing God's mercy and grace. In that time, we're waiting upon God to work and to act. And sometimes that's all we can do. We can speak. We can protest. We can march. But we do not have the right to defy authority. Nor to destroy the property of others. And he tells us to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake. That the Lord's name will not be taken in vain. That the Lord's name will be honored in how we behave and conduct ourselves. That the Lord's name will be honored because what we do, we do it in the Lord's name. We submit in the Lord's name. We respect authority in the Lord's name. We follow somebody else's command in the Lord's name. As long as it does not go against scripture. We show the respect for those in authority that are over us. Now, I'm just going to close with this because I said I don't want to be long. But I just wanted to draw attention because I think somehow as a pastor, if I don't, then I'm not doing what I should do. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And usually the world's way is always the wrong way. But God's way, you're always a winner. And he tells us that in Peter that there are times you're going to suffer for righteousness sake. And we have to be willing to suffer until he brings about whatever it is that he's going to bring about. So in Romans 13, he says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Understand that. 
Boy, that's some strong language there. And we don't want to hear that. There's no authority except that authority that God himself has established. Whether it be the Chinese, the Russians, Venezuela. See, there's a proper way of going about bringing an end to a wrong, mis-abusive authority. There's a proper way. And those are the steps we have to find, we have to discover. Sometimes it is through violence. This country had its birth through violence, through a war with Britain, who was in authority. But yet, it also found a way that today that Britain is its number one ally, not its enemy. We have to find ways, even though we argue, we fight, and whatever we may do, that we do not remain enemies, but that we can be at peace with each other and really care for each other. Because there's no other authority than that which God himself has allowed. Well, I better stop there or I'll be rambling on. But let me just close with this. Our current president and those 13 senators who was going to speak against the Electoral College. The Electoral College are a dignified, honorable group of people who perform a job for all of us. If we just sit and think, for somebody to steal, somebody to cheat in this election, it would have had to be more than just a thousand people or more. It would have had to be a very well-planned, organized, and somebody would have spoken. Our president says he doesn't like to lose, and he's demonstrating that. He didn't lose, he won. But what he's missing out on is this. He may have won the battle. He may have convinced quite a few people that something was stolen from him. But my question is this, the damage that we are doing to America as the world watches on, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And those 13 senators, and this is Ted Cruz, Sediction, inciting, 
something should come. Because all those electors should have been able to do is come, do their job in the Capitol without the protest of the senators or anyone else. After they had made their statements, then Congress could battle all night, speak or whatever, for or against. But it would not have changed the Electoral College vote. Our senators, our Congress, has to function not so much as Democrats and Republicans, but as servants of the American people and what is best for this country. Not what's best for Democrats, not what's best for the Republicans, not what's best for the poor, not what's best for the rich, not just best for African Americans, not what's best for Caucasian Americans, but as what's best for America as a whole. We cannot lose sight of that. Father, I thank you and praise you that I was birthed and had the privilege of being raised in this country. It has its problems. It is not a perfect country. It has many troubles and many, many imperfections. But all the other countries that I have had the privilege of visiting, I have found none like America. And I believe that's only so because of the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the historical fact that out of America so many missionaries go and carry the gospel into so many other lands that you have kept this country and blessed this country. But we're losing sight of you. Would you roll back the clouds of heaven? Would you lift the fog from us, O God, that we might even be like Stephen, be able to look up and see you? Help us again as a people to be able to hold our heads up high, knowing that God is the Lord of our nation. And you're the one who will keep us. And Lord, lift this burden from us. Let us learn from it. Let us grow from it as a nation. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time. Thank you so much. God bless.